Yo, yo, yo. How's it going, everybody? Hey, welcome to the LTK Show. My name is Luther Kangas, and on the show today, it is myself and Eric Angsted, my guy, the co-host. Uh, on the show today, we we get a little per- we get a little more personal on this episode. Okay, Eric opens up a little bit about his weight loss, which is pretty sweet. He's done an awesome job dropping some lbs, and we talk about that for a little while, and then. Oh, what else do we talk about? We talk about oh, our friend Dan Holcalter, who was on the podcast a little while ago. He had this awesome performance um, at the CMAs, and it was just really freaking cool to see. And um, yeah, man, just super proud of him. So we chatted about that. We talk about a big old fish that Eric caught, this monster muskie. So he gives us that story, and then oh, we talk about a couple stories from our from our sports careers that uh, were some highlights and some lowlights from our sports careers. So hope y'all enjoy it. Before we get rocking and rolling, I'd like to thank and recognize our sponsor, which is the JP4 Foundation. The JP4 Foundation uses the game of baseball to provide healthy meals healthy activities, and healthy relationships for youth in the Twin Cities. You can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using the using the handle JP4Foundation or by visiting them at JP4Foundation.org. All right, guys, we're going to get rocking and rolling with another one. Here it is, LTK Show with Eric Angstead. Look at how, like, it's so funny how fat and big my face is compared to yours. Because my, like, this thing's, like, basically at, like, the side of my mouth. Uh-huh. And yours is, like, a way out in front, I feel like. Yeah, but you got a beard and some facial hair to contend with. It's face fatness, dude. Let's call it what it is. <laughs> I, even if I'm in shape, I have a bigger face than you. I'm hauling around a lot of face here. <laughs> well, let's just kick that right, right. Just nip that right in the butt. <laughs> we'll we'll talk about the weight loss. What was your your turning point to start working out? Well, so <clears throat> I got diagnosed with sleep apnea. Yep. And I've I've wanted to work out for a long time, but it was hard for me to effectively get myself to where I felt like I could sustain it and do it every day. So effectively, I just gave myself excuses and got out of it. Well. I got diagnosed with sleep apnea in like March and I began sleep therapy. I got a sleep machine. Uh, Soon after that, I had realized that becoming just that being tired wasn't a normal part of life. I just thought like you get to 33 years old and everything changes. You're tired all the time. Well, long story longer, I got a sleep machine and all of a sudden it's like, holy shit. This is how I used to feel where I want to do things. Because I, I, you wouldn't get like any REM sleep, none, right? None. You just, you toss up, and turn. You'd I'd like wake sleep. up 40 times an hour. So that's what the test said when you went in to get tested yes. with your sleep test? Yes. 40, 40 times. an hour? But you don't wake up to where you're cognizant of it. It's just your body not, like your body's like gasping for air. Which, okay. So uh, okay. Basically, that's that's unhealthy and it's dangerous as hell. Okay, so I got that dealt with, but then soon after that, I started to realize, like, man, I I kind of have the fire back. You know, I, I, I feel how I used to feel, and I've always had a reason. Once you started sleeping well with the sleep app. Correct. Yeah. The other thing is, is when COVID started, I had been working from home, effective like mid-March, 
and I was eating like Saturday morning breakfast every day. So I was like pretty much at the height of fatness. <laughs> and then I get the sleep machine. I start to sleep. And then not only do I have exercise, but I'm looking at myself like, dude, this is a disaster. <laughs> you got you to gotta get after this. You're talking diabetes. Like, who knows? So so my, my main focus was I feel better now so I can do something about it. But also, I don't want to give myself something that was preventable by just physically moving, okay? Right. So I found an elliptical on the side of the road, and I think we talked about this. But it was yep. an elliptical like near White Bear Lake where some rich person just got rid of it. Well, I slammed some batteries in it, and the thing worked, lo and behold. Okay. So then fast forward to like July is when I really got serious about it. Was there like a turning point? Was there like a point where you're like, okay, I, I have to do this? Like you stop, like some people step on the scale and they're over 200 for the first time in their life. Like, uh-oh, what's going on here? I got to drop it. There wasn't like a turning point like that, but there were certain things where like – you're starting to look at where your belt loop was and now I'm at this belt loop. Then you got to buy a new belt. (laughs) Yeah. And I didn't, but like, or this shirt, like this shirt's a, like a two X tall and it's like getting small stuff like that. So you start to have these little reminders daily about how you're constantly going in the wrong direction. The other thing is, is once you get way too far gone, it's so much harder to come back. So long story, even longer I got that elliptical and I've always had a pretty mental, mentally tough attitude. And now I'm actually getting sleep. So like that, which, didn't is, go- which is huge. That's that, that was for sure the springboard for you. Right. Cause now you got energy. Now you have like mental clarity. Now you can, and from that you have the potential for motivation. Yes. Whereas before you were just like waking up groggy, going through a day, like just kind of half, Half awake, almost. I put it this way: I took a nap almost every day, like after work. Yeah, because I was to. just gassed. So, I start working out July fifteenth, and now I'd spend four, just over four months. November twenty third, as of recording. Yep. Yep. So as so, I I've worked out every single week, never not. I've worked out five times on the elliptical. Anywhere between 30 and 45 minutes. And I've also done, you, we've talked about this, body weight exercises, planking, things like that. In rotation with your, yep. In rotation. Then also, uh, I've been walking every day with my dog. So there's like two separate exercises. But now I'm down close to 40. And, and then throw on top of it, you're doing portion control too, right? Yes. And that, and that so... Actually, you told me this, and it stuck with me because you've always been pretty smart about this, and you actually went to school to learn about nutrition and things like that and body health. And the one thing you told me is, dude, when when you get past 30, what you put in your mouth is as important as what you do exercise. And don't get cute with that. <laughs> but what you put in your mouth food-wise is as important. And, and I agree with that. And that's another thing that I step back on. And I don't want to sit here on a soapbox. It just is what it is. Well, I think it's just like like we talked about before. I think it's good for people to hear it and be like, whoa, dude, that's pretty sweet. Like you've dropped, I don't know, what is it, are you 30? 40 almost. So you're almost at 40 yeah. in, what is it? Would we say four months? Four months and six days, but who's counting? <laughs> but you're doing it the right way, which is cool. A lot of people do like a month long diet, like before the holidays or after the holidays or yeah. whatever, two months. And then it's like, okay, back to normal life. So that's right. where they fail. Yeah. Like you have to do something that's consistent and something that 
you really incorporate into your life. Otherwise, if you just do this fad six-week diet, it's boom, right back on the horse where you came from. It's true, know? and it's it's funny because like this ain't a stomach staple situation, nor was I that fat, thank God. But it's funny you say that because like people will be like, well, what'd you do? And I'm not saying that people are noticing me like it's the That crazy. was my follow-up question yeah. was who, who's like noticed? Just Have you a, had people notice? Just a few people. Like my parents for sure. Yeah, like, a, you know, some friends. How about anybody you haven't seen in a while? I know it's Corona yeah, time. And like, they've noticed a little bit. A couple people, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, well, how, how are you doing it? And it's like, well, it's just this old-fashioned style of like eating less and then like moving. <laughs> you move your body more. But anyway, I like I said, I don't want to be on a soapbox. It just is what it is. I think the 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 main thing to focus on is like when somebody gets overweight, whether it's just a few pounds or a lot, I I personally don't think they deserve any congratulations for getting back to normal. I think the people who should be congratulated are the people who never got fat in the first place. In fact, I got a story about that. <laughs> we went to grade school with a kid. Uh, I, I'm not even going to say his name just because, but anyway, this kid was a habitual offender, always in the principal's office. He was always doing bad shit. Just not a good dude. Not necessarily a monster, but uh, just a kind of a, a kid who was fringe. Good. Okay. Long story longer. I remember sitting at a lunch table and adjacent to the lunch table was him talking to our principal, Mr. Rosenbaum and Mr. Rosenbaum's basically like negotiating with him on Here's what you get if you're good for a week. And I heard him say, if you can go a week without getting detention, we'll bring you to Aladdin's castle. (laughs) And I'm just sitting there like, well, what the fuck, dude? What about the people who never got detention? Yeah. Those are the people. So that's the same way I feel about the, like, I'm happy that I'm doing this, but I don't deserve a fucking medal. I'm just, you know, you appreciate the, but. Yeah, you don't deserve a medal, but you definitely deserve credit where. Definitely a ribbon. Probably <laughs> participation ribbon. Yeah. Cause you're actually participating. Right. In normal. Se- the no. other thing I is, mean- is when you get so big, even when you lose 30, 40 pounds, it's not that noticeable right away. And the other thing that is people have a, when you've been fat for a while, people basically have like a vision in their head of what you look like. So even when you get a little smaller, you're still like the big dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to change my brand here for a couple years. Anyway, so I'm I'm trending in the right direction, and I think that is what it is. Well, my cap's off to you, man. That's pretty freaking sweet. And you're at like what the halfway point or so for you. Personally? Well, I, I, I yeah, I want to get I want to get like you know more tone and shaped. I think I need to lose 25 more to feel like you know where I'm good about it. Yeah. But as far as health. Like my beats per minute on heart shit is way down. Like I'm healthy again. Where I well, the biggest thing is your vitality, dude. Right? Yes, my, I, f- like... I feel better. My lungs are functioning better. Uh, when we go out and walk, I'll go with my dog Vlad. God bless him. And we'll walk big hills. When we do uh, podcasts, you get to keep your microphone. Yeah, I'm not breathing hard, but you do feel better. So I mean, it's just it's whatever. It is what it is. Yeah, that's freaking freaking sweet. That's sweet, man. But I will say this: anybody who is overweight or anything else, you're fine. That doesn't. That's there's nothing wrong with you. This is just me personally. I just wanted to change how I felt. Good personal story. Use it for motivation if you want. But not bagging anybody because everyone's right. Everybody's in different spots in their life. People are perfect how they are. It doesn't matter. So yeah, everybody's got their perspective. Except you. You. you, Well, you're not perfect, but everyone else is. 
ain't close, but yeah. Um, all right, so that was not really a warm up at all, but our warm up today, I got a few questions lined up for you. All right, let's roll. So, what are your top three NHL reverse retro jerseys? The NHL just released some reverse retro jerseys, which I think are freaking sweet. Did you take Did you take a look? I what did. You got what are your yeah. Top three? So, it's funny because my top three that I like are representing teams that are perennially shitty teams. Okay. Uh, so I like the. Well, I've always liked the Hartford Whalers jersey, and actually Carolina went with the Hartford Whalers as their a Their logo it's the is, best. Is, is the best in the NHL. So like, they went this is kind of a tough one because it's not retro. They're literally going back to the Hartford Whalers jersey. But that jersey's awesome. It's always had my heart, so I'm gonna say that one's in my top three, not necessarily in, in number one. Okay. Uh Let's sec- go three, two, one then. All right, we'll go three, two, one. I'll I'll call I'll call Hartford three just for shits and gigs. Yep. Number two, Columbus Blue Jackets. The badass red on blue. For some reason, that pops to me. Really? I also like what Columbus Blue Jackets represents, with which is the North, the Union Army in the Civil War. Oh, okay. So it's got, and if you look at that uniform, there's there's stars on it. it I like everything about it, and I think the red pops. Because I don't really love Columbus's jerseys to begin with. Nor do I. Now, the third one, and I think this one's badass, and it's far and away my number one, is the Coyotes. That is a bad looking yeah. jersey for me. The little, what do they call them? Like the Roadrunner? I like think the, a Coyote. Uh, yep. Like a Coyote. Yeah, yeah. The Coyotes. I think it's a Coyote. Coyotes? Is the Coyote? <laughs> or as Barthol calls them, the Coyotes. But yeah. <laughs> How about okay. you? Okay. So I got. So for, number three for me is the Wild North Stars. Yeah. I love what they did with. So I love the green and yellow and the black. They didn't have black on these, but. The green and yellow, for me, the color combination is way better than what we got going with our kind of, I don't know, it's kind of a dull forest green, red, and like, I don't even know, gold, yellow, whatever it is. But, yeah, dude, the wilds are sweet. I love taking the logo, our the wild logo, and then throwing the green and the yellow in it. I think it's freaking stellar. What do you think of those? I like them. that so, wasn't in your top three. Like, So, I think... I really actually like the colors, but the fact that they didn't just get right and do the North Stars logo kind of like stuck with me a little. Like I think they could have just gone North Stars logo. That to me is so iconic. But it I, is. But I it, the other thing is too is you mentioned there wasn't black. I think black in that particular jersey would have made it pop a lot more on the bands on the arms. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's definitely good. Like by no means do I not like it. It's nostalgic and it's good. But I think they just should have. Ripped off the fucking Band-Aid, put an N on it for North Stars, and been like, hey, yep. this is this is what Norm Green deprived you of. Yeah, it's yeah, those jerseys are way way better than than the uh, than the current Wild ones. Um, number two for me is the Kings, the L.A. Kings. That one's remember good. that one. It's all purple, purple. Yep. And gold, which is yep. their old school colors, and then they threw the Kings logo inside of that purple. It's also Sacramento's. Uh, Sacramento Kings colors. Sacramento? Yeah, Sacramento. Sacramento. <laughs> <laughs> so number two is Kings. Number one for me is the Nordiques. Did you see those? I did. So I lo- I've i always loved the Nordiques jerseys too. 
Yeah. Uh, but it's just, I mean, a, a player can only pick three, so what do you Yeah. Do? Did I just love, I think it's maroon and like, uh, it's it almost is. like a light, it's like a baby blue and the maroon. The blue which with is that just, color pops. You just don't see that color combination. Right. Like, super unique and the white and they've got the little Saint logo things at the bottom. Yeah. Dude, I love their logo, first of all. First of all. And then secondly, yeah, <laughs> those are, those are freaking stellar. So, a, I like their jersey. Second, <laughs> and first, and C. B. All right, second one. As a player, as an athlete, what was your biggest sports thrill? Like your biggest personal sports thrill? Oh wow! Or team? Like, what, like you were on a field and like, holy cow, this is yeah, I don't, awesome. I don't know that I had many personal uh, <laughs> th- thrills. I'd say. I want to say probably, I think when when I played high school football many, many moons ago, and I played on the on defense, and our defense couldn't stop Moundsview. It's the second time we had played Moundsview in that season. Their offense was a machine, yeah. Well, we and our defense was bad, but we had a good offense led by Mark Jansen. Yep. And we beat Moundsview, I think, in double overtime. Uh, to go to the state tournament. That was just such a good section final. Okay. Section final. It was a fulfilling team victory because like I had known what all the people, including myself, had put in. And it meant so much because in football, every single day you lay it on the line. In practice, the way you condition it and all it's that. It's all building for that it whole is. season and the goals and the getting to the dome and Yeah. You know. But that was and then a good when it moment. actually comes to fruition that's got to be like i just got goosebumps a yeah bit right there right otherwise so my first varsity home run I, that was that was fun for me it just was like man i you always wanted to get to the varsity level in baseball and then you're there and then all of a sudden it's like man if i could and then boom all of a sudden you're just like you've kind of done what you want to do yeah did you get I could just see you probably get eyes like light up. Did you do like a fist bump or anything? Do you remember? I know I didn't do a fist bump because I was probably so nervous I was going to miss a base run, and it was I was in eleventh grade. <laughs> I remember. I, I do. It was fun though. <laughs> uh, what stuff? What's yours? Uh, ah, the biggest sports thrill. I think for me, it was when I was playing amateur ball, and we won a game. Okay, so the way the state tournament set up, there's 32 teams, right? It goes from 32 down to 16 down to 8, 4, 2. Um, so it was a round of 8, and we were playing this Elko team. I've told you this story. We were playing Elko, and they were a good team. We were down 2-0. It was the bottom of the 8th. We just couldn't put anything together. Their starter was just eating us up. We just couldn't scrape some hits together, and Finally, we got two hits off of their starter. Okay, so it's first and second. All right. They bring in a new guy. They're like, all right, starter's out. There's two outs at this point, bottom of the eighth. Elko fans were just like they had Yeah, Elko. <laughs> I remember that. Dude, they were right behind us in the stands, like all like the girlfriends. and Talk about how much that and, pissed you off, that chant. And they were just Elko. E-L coat like all game and we're losing and we're like dude we can't hit like this sucks and then so finally we get into their bullpen first and second two outs guy in front of me single to left but he hits it too hard to the left fielder so we can't score anybody right so now we got bases loaded 
two down. I come up to the plate, and I'm, like, struggling at this point. Like, I had maybe one hit the whole state tournament. I just wasn't, whatever, I wasn't in a good spot offensively. So I told myself, like, okay, if he throws a fastball or anything that's in the strike zone, I'm just going to take, like, I'm going to hack. Like, I'm not up here to work in that bat. If he throws me some around the zone, I'm hacking. So he threw me a fastball down the middle, and I swung, like, kind of just blind, like, okay, let's see if I get a piece. And I hit it to right center, and it rolled, like, basically all to the wall. The wall, like, the center field was one of those where it goes yeah, all the way to, like, Like 500 feet or something, yeah. Yeah, it was the football field, like, center yeah. was super deep. Anyways, so I start running. I get to second, I round second, I get to third, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get the stop sign, stand up, triple, boom, whatever, and I get to third, and like, right before I touch third base, like, I get the I get the windmill, and I'm like, <laughs> dude, are you freaking, so I fly around third, I come in, I slide home. Did you had first slide? I think I did, yeah, I think I did, just like adrenaline, like, yeah, whatever. You gotta. Head first, slide, pop up, I was safe, and like, everybody was still behind home plate. You know, yeah. and I'm just like high five, high the, five. The women like, who were boom, chanting, everybody. E elk, oh my god! Just like right. In front. <laughs> e elk, oh shit! It was like the biggest, like it was probably the biggest high that I've experienced in sports. And then we go out and we shut them down. I think at the top of the ninth to win the game, like ten minutes later, and you're still on that like just flying high cloud. But that was, it was That's cool because it was an individual moment, but it was also like, you know, obviously a big team win, which is right. freaking sweet. But um, that is good. Yeah, that was fun, man. Um, on the flip, what's your biggest sports embarrassment? Honestly, like one that it's funny because I didn't know you were going to ask me this, but something that just popped into my head right, like almost instantly <laughs> is when I was really young, like I was in like squirts, I think maybe mites, mite hockey. At that time, we didn't have like a set goalie. You just have people stand in there for whatever. I remember a puck had gotten iced from the opposite end of the Hippodrome, probably from the opposite blue line, and it was coming right at me, and basically the goalie stick was flat, so there was no curve to it. So if you put the ass, the butt of the stick down, it's going to be on the point, and then the the business part of the stick is actually raised off the ground a little bit. So yeah. I tried to like hit it. And as I hit it, the puck slid smooth under the stick. And for some reason, like, that one just got me. And then there's I, – actually, I got a couple. Hell, I could go all day on this. So I made the all-star – I was fortunate enough to make the all-star baseball team when I was 12 years old. Yeah. And uh, I remember, like, the coaches didn't probably like – they didn't know much about me, and I'm sure it was political to a point. So I'm sh there was, like, a set amount of innings you had to play, but we're in the all-star tournament. We're playing against, like – all other teams from the state, they're all star teams. And I get put in right field. It's just a complete token move. Like here, this kid's got to play four innings and I get a pop up and it pops out of my glove. I hadn't missed a fly ball in years. And it, that happened. <laughs> so that sucked. And then the last one is varsity baseball, our senior year. You probably remember this one. So I think I know where you're going. Yep. Yeah. I, I, uh, I was, I took a fastball right in the, right in the chest and I swung at it. <laughs> So I struck out on a ball that beamed me in the chest. I thought for sure it was a curveball. Couldn't pick up his spin. We talked about this one before. <laughs> I won't belabor the topic, but I mean, shit, I could go all day. I've done a lot of stupid shit in sports. Ah, <laughs> oh, man, that's freaking awesome. Honestly, I can't even like think of one off the top of my head. Like oh, I didn't make many oh, mistakes. Of course. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, I was. What about haven't you pooped your pants or anything? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have to come back. I'm gonna think throughout the show here. Yeah, fair. I'll, I'll, I'll rewind to something. I got. I'm sure I got plenty. Um, have you ever stepped on the ice with skate guards on? Pretty much every swing and dicks done that, and that's embarrassing. I don't know if I ever got that one. I know I did it at the sports center. I don't know. If I, I got Jenny Bonsacked out there in the middle of nowhere. You know, I think one of the reasons why I can't think is because I have a pretty good. I, I do a pretty good job of blacking some stuff out. Like if, <laughs> you're de- if it you're sucks defense to me, I'm just like your defense right, mechanism. That. Yeah, just move <laughs> on with life. Just don't talk about that. Talk about the time you hit the walk-off <laughs> home run of baseball again. <laughs> uh, where else we at? Okay, last one. If you could be this person for one of their shows, okay, they're both entertainers, who would you be? And I know you like both these dudes, so this one's good. Corey Taylor or Bill Burr for one of their shows? Corey Taylor. Really? I love Bill Burr, and I think he's the best comedian there is. But when you talk about the riot that gets incited at a Slipknot concert, yeah. and the way that every single person, up to 80,000, is so in on that show, that's like a group movement. And I can't imagine anything that would be more fucking exhilarating. So I that. didn't I didn't get that element of Slipknot, um, so I didn't know that about them. Yeah, after this, what I'll do for you, because this is the kind of guy I am, Maybe maybe by that time you'll have thought of something that happened that was embarrassing, but probably not. But I'll show you one of their concert in, in like Rio and the way that they that he gets a visceral reaction from the crowd. Problem is is if I was going to be him, I couldn't act like him, so it wouldn't be as good as what he can re- Yeah, I, I was going from like the thrill angle. Like would yeah. you rather hundred percent slipknot. Really? Absolutely. It's because honestly it's not even that close. To me you're you're a dude that likes to make people laugh. And therefore, I wonder what the acceleration level would be for you when you're when you're just crushing like on stage, yeah, like Bill Burr does. I'd and love you that. just got the crowd by you know, you, I, they're just on edge. It. Like, what do you got? Slip, you know, for sure. And you just it's... have them, and you're just like, dude, I'm on fire right now. Like, There's something about me that like I don't know what it is. Like, I never ha- had anything real bad happen to me growing up. Like. I didn't get beat up. I didn't have alcoholic parents. Like I came from. Yeah, that's interesting. Do you think heavy metal fans and like hard hard metal fans have something like that? And they like I, I don't they know. Listen to that. I think that any type of music fans on some level probably have something in the background that changed them. But the way that I listen to it, like sometimes I almost listen to it like with a chip on my shoulder. But I don't want to go hurt anybody or anything. But it just it's like a release for me. Yeah. And I also just marvel at the ability of those people like i look past a lot of people just look at it and they're like that's just noise like it's noise but i try to listen to the individual instruments and then i realize like these dudes are not only good at this but they're playing it way faster way more succinctly uh but anyway yeah I, sorry i'm going on a tangent i just like metal music dude it's it's hard for me to yeah i, I get so passionate about it <laughs> um Speaking of music, so one of our good friends, he's also been on the show, Dan Holkalter, Fiddlin' Dan. If you guys haven't seen the 27 of you that might tune in, we might be up to 27, by the way. We used to be at like 10. What are you talking about? We had like 150 no, hits. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, so Dan Holkalter, he crushed on the CMAs. He did a, a tribute for... Um, 
Charlie Daniels Band. He's a fiddle player for Dirks Bentley. And if you guys get a chance, just Google whatever Charlie Daniels Band tribute CMA because um, he absolutely shredded. And I just wanted to give some props to Hoax. How sweet was that? Eh? It was uh, like I I was so proud like of him and to it was unbelievable. Like I, I I got emotional. Like I legit like kind of like half teared and like had goosebumps like the whole yeah. bit. Like it was just like it's holy that good. And the p- part of it too, like like it can't be a better dude he's one of the most genuinely nice just good people from a good family we know so that to me even added to it it's like that dude deserves that he he's busted his sack he's done everything to get there but also when he gets there it's like those are the people you want but yeah he he smashed that to the point where i was like in fact i had a work conference call and i'm like hey like before the conference call started, I was like, I'm going to send all you guys an email on my buddy. Like, you know, I was just so proud of him. Yeah. Like, just that he, it, dude, it was awesome. It, P, check it out for sure. Uh, it's, you can Google CMA's Charlie Daniels tribute. He does Devil Went Down to Georgia and watch him shred that bowl. That horse hair is flying everywhere. Dude, it was just like, um, we're not doing it justice. So pick. Well, it's so cool because. To me, the part like the the thing that stood out from the podcast with him was like once he found out he was cancer free. Yeah, he had a blank slate and he decided to move to Nashville. Right, and that ain't happening. Like that whole thing. Right, stemmed from that like life changing decision and right. that ballsy decision of like, hey, I'm just gonna do this. Like I, this is what I want to do, and I'm gonna do it. Like I don't... yeah. So Dan beat cancer when we were about 20 years old. Yeah, and he then decided that. You know what? That what do I got to lose? Like he probably understood the value of life and the fragility of life at an age yeah. to where that that worked out. The other thing that was interesting too, not to take away from the cancer thing because that's crazy. Like the story's unreal, but he told a story about how that CMA performance came to be, and there was a girl, I believe, a woman slated to do that performance. Yes, there was. So she's. She's a pretty big time fiddler, from what how I understood it. She's a big time fiddler in Nashville, and she's like kind of the, kind of what from what I understood, like the go-to like recording fiddler for anybody that needs recording done because she's just precise and solid and really good. Um, she had to back out like last minute, kind of like maybe the night before or something like that. Whether it was due to health, Corona, like whatever, I don't know. Um, but Hulk Alter got a call, I think, the night before. Like, hey. Are you free? Can you do this? Do you want to do this? And he's like, he was just jacked. He's like, dude, I couldn't, couldn't sleep. sleep like, couldn't eat. And he was practicing and like, yeah, like, couldn't sleep, couldn't eat. Isn't that crazy? Like, that's so freaking he cool. He did dude. a like, great job. So uh, he, de- like, that dude delivered on a huge stage. I mean, not only is he tributing to one of his idols, he's standing like 12 feet from Jason Aldean, who's a big country name. He's st- looking at a crowd of all the biggest country names. I mean, that dude, like, you want to talk about showing that you got church bells for nuts? He did it. <laughs> yeah. Check him out. Dan Holcalter, CMA's Charlie Daniels Tribute. YouTube.com. Uh, all right. Where do we want to take this, baby? Okay. Let's wrap this thing up with, I want to hear about uh, your musky story. Was that oh, a yeah. musky? Yeah. So this weekend... I actually had a great weekend. I was able to pheasant hunt with my dad on Saturday, which is great. I want to talk about my dad real quick, too. My dad's 68 years old. He's not sedentary, and he's not out of shape, but he also doesn't, like, rigorously exercise, so you wouldn't think that he'd be, like, in great shape. That dude 
rolls off the freaking couch and goes and walks five miles through high grass like it's nobody's biz. He <laughs> seriously, he's unreal. And he like yeah. it, so that dude just is my idol. Freaking, he's got Nordic Nordic strength, dude. He comes from good stock. Nordic so I hope, lungs. Nordic I hope I got strength. half of what he got. So anyway, the musky story. So I, I'll just I'll, I'll say what happened. I was able to catch. Uh, for me, what's a nice musky yesterday? It was forty three and a half inches. <clears throat> um, and basically, what happened was I went out with two of my friends, uh, Brent and Joe. Brent Steffensmeyer, Joe Tuma, and both these guys, uh, like, are what I consider them in like the at least top tier, if not upper echelon, of musky fishermen. These are guys who go on trips every single year to Lake of the Woods, except this year because of COVID. These are guys who have spent a lot of their years, especially before they had kids, learning the craft and learning and honing in the skills of musky fishing. Like when I'm around them, the things that I learn from them are just crazy. And they're, it's a, it's an art form too. Uh, like as far as fishing goes, it's an art yes. form, like unlike any other like, type of fishing. They were, I'm a novice and they were showing me some small nuances and it's like the, the, the amount of knowledge that they have is crazy. Anyway, so what we do is we troll with sucker minnows. And it's funny because like one of the jokes yesterday with Brent kind of told me like, I was like, what can I do to help? And I was just like, should I just kind of, you know, not talk? He's like, you know, there's actually a lot to be said about just like sitting down and kind of shutting the fuck up and getting out of the way. <laughs> and we all kind of had a laugh about it. But it's serious because basically he's hooking up these big sucker minnows. A sucker minnow that you use to to um, to troll for walleye is three pounds, 19 inch or two pounds, whatever, 19 inch big. It's a fish. You hook it up. There's two treble hooks that go in, and then there's like nostril clamps. So effectively, you troll these things behind the boat, and oftentimes you can see the muskies come behind and they hit and you set the hook. Uh-huh. Well, <clears throat> we had probably been out there four or five hours, and these dudes are great shit. Like they allow me to, like for me, it's like my make a wish. These dudes have caught so many muskies they forget about it. <laughs> so for me, like there, it's always like, hey, if we get one, you can do it. You know. So I'm just out there like hoping we get something. So. We had probably been fishing for, I'd say, probably close to five hours and uh, to no avail. But that's kind of how musky fishing is. You know, they call it the fish of 10,000 casts. Well, I'm reeling in um, the bait because periodically your bait gets into weeds and you need to clear the bait so that it doesn't have weeds on the presentation. Okay. If fish see weeds on another fish, they're not going to eat it. Yeah. It's not a natural uh, life aquatic quality. So. I'm reeling in. As I'm reeling in, I'm asking these guys, like, do you ever have one just, like, follow while you're reeling in? Dude, no shit. As I was, like, finishing that sentence, so Joe's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that happens. I was like, oh, shit, there's one. There's one. (laughs) So then they, they, like, tell me what to do. So Joe and Brent are like, all right. So Brent's, like, sitting there steering the boat. Joe's back by me. He's like, okay. You know, let the the bail out. So we watched the thing T-bone the fish. So it hit it. And then what it does that swim- mean? Oh, yeah. So it hit it sideways, and then, oh, I and gotcha. then the muskie was swimming away from us, and Joe's like, pin it. So he says, pin it, and that means like set the hook and... And just rip. So yeah, so you click the bail close, he's like, pin it. He said it once, set it twice, and I pinned it. Boom, hooked into it. Uh, just as soon as you feel that heaviness, dude, there's a different level of <laughs> excitement. So it's not far from the boat. So you start to reel, and then Brent's got his big-ass musky net out. You know, the net's probably four feet circumference, big old net. Yeah. And he's standing on the back of the boat, and he's like, don't let it go under the transom. Because 
there's like it can get hooked on the motor it can get hooked so i'm trying to like fight this big fish and it's not a tremendous fight they're a little lethargic at this time of year okay yeah but so anyway he ends up netting it and then i'm such a novice like he has to show me how to grab it to hold it like all the whole works but oh, yeah those things are yeah, it's level, I, I was there's a picture of me and i can show you it after this where i literally looked like i was gonna cry like i was so f- excited like and happy and those dudes just get a kick out of it because to them like that fish is just like i mean it's cool because you caught a muskie and muskies it's a standard muskie yeah like so to put it perspective the the muskie that i caught was 43 and a half inches and i had a blast doing it well the day before so joe actually lives out on forest lake and the day before joe and brent went and uh brent got a 50 inch so to put that perspective that was that one that you showed me yes and i think that fish probably weighs 15 pounds more than the one i caught that thing was like it was like it was so big that like you can see the eyes super clear like right all the scale like dude, dude it's like he, it's just so and difference. brent dude brent's six three too so that picture like it puts it in perspective but here's the greatest thing both those dudes like they both fish a lot of muskie in fact joe's won like several like muskie tournaments metro muskie tournaments like he's legit but I was t- I was kind of joking because like Joe got Brent a fish on Forest and then Brent got one on White Bear. It's like I just I, I'm going with guides. These dudes know what they're doing. Yeah, these are the guys. <laughs> you were the third branch on the tree, right? Like, dude, boom, yeah. Boom, I was. Boom. Put it this way: if they're the wheels on the machine, I'm like the fucking valve stem to where you fill up the air. That's how much importance I had. Actually, I shouldn't say that because valve stems are important. I was one tread. They were full tires. What what's the state record muskie? You know that's a good question. Nah, I don't. And honestly, I don't know if they do it in weight or inches or girth. So people usually talk about muskie like based on length, but like there's also girth implications. I that's a good question. I don't know. We'd have to ask. I'm, uh, I'm asking the machine. Holy. Okay, so it's 54 pounds. So Brent's like, if Brent's was 50. No, no, his is fifty inches. Oh, I got you. Okay, so 56, yeah, my guess, my guess, six inches. I'm just throwing it out there. My guess is that his was probably forty pounds. Okay, so the the catch and release record was fifty seven and a but quarter. But I think I want to say Brent has caught like a fifty four. I know Joe's caught. Both those guys have caught several fish like over fifty. They go to Lake of the Woods and they go actually with a group of all, all like. So it's other guys who I've become friends with through like our fishing league and through Brent. So there's another guy named Brad Hembick. Uh, there's a guy named Matt Desjardins or Des Jardins. He goes by Desjardins. That's a phenomenal. Yeah. They call name. it their, their core group. But like those guys, they go, they're all really good fishermen and they go every single year and they catch them. But it's, I'm telling you, like being with them, there's so many nuances and so many arts to it that it just blows my mind. And when you catch one of those fish, it's like the Holy grail. Cause it's they're hard to get to bite, and then yeah. you hold on to the thing. You feel like a champion. Then you let the thing go. Yeah. You watch it majestically swim back. They're a beautiful animal. Yeah. You watch it swim back and go back to its little area. A little worse for the wear, and or yeah. no worse for the wear, as I should say. Yeah, that's pretty sick. <clears throat> that's awesome. Well, yeah. that was pretty. Ah. We That's just all I got. What we just got? talked about me being else? fat and then not being as fat now, and talked and about just being and, a decent fisherman. And yeah, I think we killed it, dude. Yeah, it was yeah, nailed, crushed. All right. Um, yeah, good stuff. How do we incorporate fans, man? I want to hear some dang uh, emails. I want to hear some. 
All right, we gotta. We're gonna come up with a fan line and a way to to talk to people, get more interactive. Yes. We're gonna come up with it, and it's gonna be soon. Yes, we'll pound it out. We'll so let you guys stay tuned know. for that. Also, weekly episodes. It's going to happen. No more uh, two weeks between weekly episodes coming at you starting now. Hundo P. Yep. We All right. We're going to do it. All right, brother. Good See ya. stuff. Later. Hana, huh, babe? Hey, that's the one. That's it right there. Thank you all for listening. Um, hey, we're going to tune in. We're going to keep this baby rolling, like we said. And thanks to JP4 Foundation for uh, for supporting us. We really do appreciate that. Those guys are awesome. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, until next time, learn, try, know, and achieve. Hum, babe.